Are you an early stage founder looking to grow your SaaS? The SaaS Doc Founder Membership is a private community of ambitious SaaS founders where you can get a support network of peers, connect with like-minded founders around the globe, and learn proven strategies from industry experts to help you scale up your SaaS. If you want to get access to peer groups, investor meetings, mentor hours, and more to help you scale faster together, then visit sasdoccom forward slash founder hyphen membership to apply, or just go to sasdoccom and go up to the header menu and click on memberships. And even your application form, if it's right for you, mention the SAS Revolution show to apply for an exclusive discount. Find your SAS tribe and thrive with the SASDoc founder membership. This podcast is sponsored by G2, the place for buying, selling, and reviewing software. All audiences aren't built equally. Learn to connect with interested and engaged buyers at the right time with G2 Buyer Intent. Uncover who's researching your product so you know when to reach out and what to say. Sell more and close bigger deals by sending personalized messages directly to buyers ready to talk tech. G2, smarter software decisions made together. Join the community at www.sell. G2.com/sastock. It's somehow interesting when you started talking with uh, founders and operators, you know, all these functional uh, leaders. In a way, you quickly start seeing. Also, for my for my investment practice, is that you have very strong functional hats. Uh, for instance, someone who's really good in doing sales and growing that, or like very good in HR. But it's not necessarily that uh, that there is a lot of experience on uh, how to scale the processes and building this department from the one from the one level to to the other. Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution Show, brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth, and scale. I'm your host Alex Thuma, and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today, and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution show, Arthur Noble, Principal at Knight VC. Welcome, Arthur. Thanks a lot, Alex. Really looking forward to this chat. Something uh, pretty amazing has happened uh, sort of recently, Arthur. You've, uh, uh, you've got a book out and you've been working a long time uh, to speak to a lot of people uh, in SaaS around how do you grow, how do you scale uh, a SaaS business, right? And effectively, I think, like, how do you get to 10 million, you know, uh, and, and more? Um, so excited about that. Uh, also uh, uh, grateful that I was uh, able to contribute in, in some way uh, as well. So very thank, uh, thankful that I was one of 47, I think, um, uh, in, in that. Um, and there's so much, like, uh, amazing data and, you know, kind of stories and information that's come out of that, of which we obviously don't, you know, have time to go through all of it. But... Uh, we obviously, uh, you know, the book will be available and we can tell people where to kind of share that. But today we're going to like, you know, you know go into some of the, the, the kind of interesting points and topics uh, around that. But before we do, Arthur, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about Knight Capital. Um, yeah, let's, uh, let's learn it. Like, who's Arthur Noble? Yeah, sure. Thanks. Uh, th- thanks, Alex. So uh, I'm Arthur. I'm, uh, I would say, operator turned VC, turned founder, turned VC again. Um, that's my background in short. Now, I, I started in the, in the startup world back in 2014 at Rocket Internet. 
uh, learned a bunch there uh, and then joined in uh, 2015, 2016, a seed fund and a series B fund. So it gave me like uh, different perspectives on, the, on different business models. And, and from there, I, I run my own company, which is called Flexpad, where we try to enable remote work to the masses. I mean, one thing I learned from that, that uh, market timing is everything. So the why now question <laughs> is something I, I like to ask as an investor. And then fast forward, um, I specialized in, uh, in growth, go-to-market uh, strategies, and then last year joined uh, Knight Capital. A little bit about Knight Capital. Um, it's a European B2B software investor, um, specialized, I would say, in go-to-market uh, topics, and we're all um, yeah, former entrepreneurs. I would say we invest all across Europe, usually Series A, Series B, so this one to 10 million um, phase is something we're pretty excited about and we try to help entrepreneurs to uh, to get through that stage amazing amazing and what what gave you the idea to to do the book and put yourself through 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 this and interviewing 47 uh people to uh, to get a book done yeah it was in all honesty it was a bit of an opportunistic idea i know one one of these things where you start brainstorming with the team like hey, it would definitely be good to write a book uh and then uh, <laughs> Then it turns out to be a little bit bigger than expected. But um, what, what what we saw ever, and we were having founders ourselves, so we have had the problems with scaling. Uh, we're regularly talking with founders and, and we get some questions. And from there, uh, we started diving into, um, into this bigger topic of, of scaling a company. And we figured out that on the one hand, there was a lot of content on the product market fit. Uh, and for instance, uh, like Eric Ries has done a great, great job on there. And on the other hand, there's a lot of, content on let's say big successes companies raising like hundreds of millions or just doing multi-billion exits but actually even if they look back on the on their period of series a to series c it's it's usually still quite a few years yeah ahead in time so we felt that this sort of in-between period let's call it series a to c where it's really about scaling and um yeah basically making the company uh, laying the foundation for this great success is is something that's not really talked about a lot in a sort of coherent way. Um, and afterwards we found out that the deal room did a study um, that from the companies that raise a seed round, only 7% actually manages to, to raise a series C round. So we really see that, that there is a challenge ever with scaling a company, which of course has external factors, but definitely also internal factors. Well, it leads nicely to the first point, like, you, you know, why companies have a problem with scaling. And uh, it was certainly one of the, the stories that I shared with you about, you know, SaaS stock and the problems that we had about scaling, which we won't go into. But again, it's in the book if people want to uh, sort of read that. But uh, again, it's such a common problem. Scaling kills a lot of companies. Um, but why? What are the, what are, what, what are the problems that you, you learned uh, from, uh, from this book? So there are many categories of problems, but just to, to address the, the question a bit uh, broader, I see like on the one hand, there are like lots of strategic challenges, like, you know, for instance, which country do we enter? And if you then enter too many countries at the same time, with limited amount of money, um, you know, you run out of money quickly. So those, I would say on the strategic angle, and you can think about um, yeah, a few more things like internationalization, you know, which uh, verticals you touch on, et cetera. But one of the things I like to focus on is also like the, the internal perspective, like, you know, what can you do as an, or, as an organization? Um, on the first hand, you know, it's just incredibly hard to scale, you know, going from 20 to 100 or 30 to 100 people over a period of two, three years, um, or sometimes even faster. That's, you know, incredibly hard. 
And the reason why it's hard, I thought like one of Katie Christensen mentioned in the book um, that, you know, there is actually no, no playbook available. And I would also say most companies, if you talk with them as an investor, I see there is like a product roadmap, but there is usually no, there's no scaling roadmap available. So I do think it's also one of these things that we quickly like to think in sort of functional silos, like, you know, in sales and marketing and customer success and, and, and whatever else, but not a lot about, you know, how do we actually scale a company um, from point A to point B. Um, and also, of course, like lots of people do it for the first time. So that also makes it incredibly hard. Can we maybe pick a couple of the, 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 the common scaling challenges and, and maybe go, you know, um, in depth into, uh, into a few of those? No, definitely. Um, it's always a challenge here to, to, to never be too elaborate. Uh, I'll try my best. So first to, to, to classify them a bit, um, I identified six, six main buckets. So the first one is, for instance, the function of a department. Um, the second one is the people challenge. The third one is the documentation challenge. And the fourth is the process challenge. And fifth, we have the tooling challenge. And then um, the sixth bucket I identify as the data or KPI challenge. So if I just give uh, like a few examples of, of, of each and every one. Um, so, so what you really see, if you start with the function of a department, you just see that, for instance, um, an organization, if it has a 1 million ARR, and 1 million ARR business has like a different focus than a 10 million ARR business. For instance, in, if you talk about HR, in the beginning, you focus a lot on recruiting, let's say at a 10 million uh, ARR company, uh, onboarding and basically uh, performance plans, et cetera, also have become important. So I think the first thing is what people have to realize is, is what is the function of your department um, where you are today? And, and based on that, basically build everything behind it. I think that's just, it's not really a challenge, but it's something which is very important to be aware. What is, what is necessary and what state? So if I go to the real first challenge, I would say is the people challenge. And this is like a huge bucket. So just to give like a few examples, um, what, what you see is that the people that you have in the seat round are usually different people than the people you need in the series A or series B. So in the, in the beginning, you know, the skill sets are very broad, but over time, you know, it gets more about being like in-depth skill sets. Um, and then you also get like different people, different uh, personalities. Um, and then you also get that. So some, some conflicts here and there. How do you manage the people from the seat stage, which you still need? Um, but on the other hand, you also need to get people from, uh, from a more later stage in your company so that they can help you for uh, within the next 12 to 24 months. So that was something I saw as a fundamental challenge, which many people mentioned. Another one, another one that was mentioned often was that you need to have sort of the right mix between let's call it newbies uh, and people who have done it before. So with that, you can think about um, people have, who have gone through the scaling challenge and people, um, um, you know, even if they have like a rich corporate career, will, will do, do everything for the first time. So we don't know what to uh, prepare for. Um, of course, can talk much more about the people challenge, um, but this is just like two things I came across quite often. Uh, the documentation challenge, let me give like a nice example of Joao Grasa. He uh, is a CTO of Unbubble. And what he said, like they created the dummy variable in, in, in the code, uh, in, in their code base somewhere. And then two, one and a half years later, people didn't dare to touch this, this dummy variable anymore because they didn't understand the context and everything around it. 
So what they said, like, there is a big challenge for a company if you don't document everything, uh, because then everything people start doing everything at the same at the same time, like over and over. So uh, documentation is, is is key. And just to go like a, a bit quickly through through the other ones, like the the process challenge is, is really about I think what what you mentioned, Alex, is like building this organizational OS because after twenty people, you know, things start breaking down if you don't have processes in place, uh, which, which I really liked. Um, the tooling challenge is really about your company changes every six to 12 months. So what I what I see is that people first start with implementing Pipedrive, then they switch to HubSpot, and then they uh, you know start implementing Salesforce. And basically being aware uh, what type of, of tooling that you need ahead in time, I think that that is something I, I saw as, as a fundamental challenge, uh, as well as just defining your stack and, and the last one, the data challenge is, is really about how are you data driven and how do you base basically your, your gut feel? Um, on the other hand, which metrics are important in a given state? So let's say a seed state company doesn't need to measure so much the LTV cox, the lifetime value to acquisition cost ratio. Whereas if you um, are in a series C company, you definitely have to focus on that. So every state has relevant metrics to, to, to focus at. I think that was also an important thing to prepare for that, knowing what is relevant in this in for a series A company, and then already start preparing it in your in your seed stage. Not because you have to measure, you have to monitor on it right now, but just be able to to scale on it once you arrive at that point. Also, then leads into the next part in terms of say scaling is it's not one stage, it's not zero to ten, but you have your your seed stage, your series A, your B, your C. Uh, and so, and also, I guess, you know, for those that are bootstrapping, right, it's still, you know, the, you know, you're, you're zero to one million and one to three and so on, right? Um, so it's, it's this continuing with maturity stages. So uh, bre breaking that sort of like down in terms of like these various different stages and, and the important things to do perhaps like within that or the things to con uh, be considerable, uh, considerable. Yeah, I think I think a really, a really good point. Well, what, what, what I... Maybe I, I thought that myself as well, uh, but what I definitely um, it comes across to me if, if if I if I read a lot of blogs, etc., is that it's perceived like you get a product market fit and afterwards you start scaling, uh, you know, and you happily scale ever after. Um, but I, I do think that I, I break down scaling into I would say like five five stages, which is called sort of the the, the ad hoc stage. Usually you start at that in this bootstrap stage, you just start doing things, which is good. Uh, but then after, after some time, you get to the initial process stage. You start just building up your first initial processes. Let's say you start doing customer success via Slack. Um, and then at some point, you get into the replicability stage. I would usually say this is like the Series A stage as well, where it's really about, yeah, can you do sales in a re replicable way, get the same type of customers in a replicable way? But then if you move towards series B and series C, it's, it's really, it's about predictability. Like, can you predict your results? And um, yeah, can you really scale, for instance, your salespeople with, with the quotas and the ramp up times and that you can really predict, okay, I have this, this euro and I'm going to allocate it in, in, in XYZ. And I would say after the series B, C stage, it really depends on the company. Um, I, I would say you really enter this, this scalability stage where you are, post 25 million AR, uh, trying to grow to, to 50 to 100 million AR uh, and do everything at scale. And the difference between with the former stages is that you uh, 
are operating in many countries, operating in many verticals, um, operating in, in different customer segments, eh, like SME, mid-market, enterprise, and eh, dependent on your business model, of course. Um, but you do everything at scale, um, but essentially the same thing as, as you uh, were doing on a small, on a small scale eh, in your series A and B stage. So something um, you thought about, you, you know, uh, at the, the, the output of, you know, when the book uh, was kind of completed was about this, the possibility of, of having a role within a business, which was the, the head of scaling um, and um, perhaps not, not necessarily seeing that, you know, specifically the defined sort of role um, so far so within the market. So uh, talk to us a little bit about that. It's somehow interesting when you started talking with uh, founders and operators, you know, all these functional uh, leaders in a way, you quickly start seeing also for my, for my investment practice is that you have very strong functional hats. Uh, for instance, someone who's really good in doing sales and growing that or like very good in HR, but it's not necessarily that, uh, that there is a lot of experience on uh, how to scale the processes and building this department from the one, from the one level to, to the other. I think that's partially sometimes also has to do for more early stage companies is because they, they don't have the money to hire people who can actually do it. Uh, let's say you need a such person costs 150 to 200 K pounds a year. Um, yeah, you cannot easily afford that. Um, so you, you end up with very strong functional heads who don't have like this, this really process, I would say almost McKinsey like way of approaching things. So what, what I came to believe after talking with people is that the, the COO role is very focused on, on the present, I would say, usually just making sure the business runs at the moment. But that it would be very interesting is to consider um, consider hiring a head of scaling, someone who has like a horizontal focus uh, across the entire organization and is looking six to 12 months ahead in time and, and prepares all types of processes, documentations, uh, onboarding uh, manuals to make the organization ready for the next stage. And finally, as, uh, as, uh, as preparation um, for like another talk I did recently, uh, I, I started looking on LinkedIn, like how many people are, do actually have a head of scaling title? And I figured out there were only 44 people uh, had a head of title. Um, and even from that, from that group, many of them um, didn't have the role that, that, that I just described. So it's, 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 it's interesting that this is not well covered yet in the scene. With the with the head of scaling, the forty four people were they mainly in SaaS or were they all sorts of uh, all sorts of companies? I saw a few from more like venture studios, uh, the, those the, those type of roles. Um, I don't know in all honesty whether they had a SaaS background, but it would make a lot of sense actually because the SaaS playbook is more well known compared to maybe other business models. Yeah. No, no, definitely. Uh, and then we there was forty-seven leaders that you spoke to. Um, so maybe can you name? Obviously, not all forty-seven because that would be pretty remarkable. Um, but maybe some of the 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 the, the people that were in the book um, uh, to help you know in terms of sort of like recognition. And then maybe some some of the interesting stories or, or, or um, things that they kind of shared that would be uh, valuable for our listeners. Yeah, definitely. One of the things I'm just going like a, a bit like left and right from some things which uh, which I just personally really liked, but uh, one of them is is, is Mitya Brackstone. He was the co-founder of Chorus, uh, which was uh, in, uh, which was recently acquired by Zoom Info. Yeah. And, and what he said, like when I was like a, a young company, 
and, and I wanted to get like a very senior leader, which I basically I couldn't get in my own imagination. I just uh, asked the person and said like, hey, um, basically if I want to hire you in like three years time, um, how would I need to get you in this position? And sometimes people were then open and said, okay, hey, you know, um, I'm actually already open uh, to join the company right now, but just not have this sort of these mental boundaries, um, but to ask it like in a very open way is it, something I found very inspiring to really get C-level talent in your company. And a thing I really like from Mark Roberts, uh, the, the CRO from HubSpot, is that he was talking about the hiring pace. So what I, what I personally see, um, a lot is then when, when people raise funding, then post around, they start hiring lots of people. Let's say the whole sales team is hired. But what Mark suggested um, was to start with a certain pace. So let's say the first six months after you have a go-to-market fit, let's say Series A uh, type of business, um, hire two sales reps a month for six months. And if it's still, hey, if they manage to perform, then for the next six months, start with four, four salespeople a month. If that works after six months, start with eight. And the good thing is that you really build like a talent pool uh, with that. Um, and also you don't get lots of salespeople like at, at one point, uh, which is also like hard to manage from a culture point of view, but also once you start uh, like scaling up, you get more experience um, over time, which I think was, was a, very, a, a very strong point. And what I particularly liked from Bill Makaitis, he was like the, the former CRO of, of Zendesk and Slack, is that he focuses on, on, shared, on shared metrics. So when you are, let's say, in the seed or Series A stage uh, company, you don't have too, ma too many people in an, uh, in an organization. But once you, let's say, get to Series B, um, maybe you have like 100 people, just as an example, um, and you raise like a big round, so you get like big targets, everyone just starts working uh, very hard on, on meeting them and you quite quickly can get siloed. And at that, and at that point, it actually makes a lot of sense to, to think about you know, what are shared metrics that they can align marketing, sales and customer success uh, in one thing rather than, than marketing, for instance, delivering bad leads for sales um, you know, and get into that whole discussion, which, which is often discussed. And also, I think at the, the, that point, it starts really making sense to think about the, like the CRO function and, uh, and, and all the sh shared functions. So I think that, that those were just three points among the many that, that I think were very interesting. Who was the most interesting person that you spoke to that you learned the most from? Uh, from you, Alex. <laughs> I, I, I doubt that. I doubt that. But uh, um, very, very kind of you. But uh, um, yeah, who, who, who did, you, did you have a like, come away from a call with uh, any particular person and just say, wow, like, you know, that, was, uh, that was amazing. Someone I learned a lot from on the go-to-market perspective was um, Matt Chappell. He was working at that time for, for, for Legion Technologies. I think he gave like a very good overview of, um, of sales. Um, someone like Felix Eichler from Userlane, I think he's still very, very young. Um, and he gave such a sort of mature answer on on things like culture and on, on, on HR. I think those were just two people, uh, as well as, for instance, John Sotem from, um, we explained the bar razor concept really well, which, which I think added to the former tree. Um, I think were, really gave me a lot of uh, great insights. Awesome, good stuff. So where, where can our listeners, if they want to get the book, uh, where can they find it? Uh, how can they get access? How can they read this book? 
Ah, oh, definitely. That, that's uh, that's really interesting. So if you go to Amazon, either Amazon.com or Amazon.nl or DE or uh, Amazon.co.uk, you yeah just type in leaders of growth. There you'll find the book. It's an ebook, so you can just download uh, it on, on your Kindle, or you just download the Kindle app on your on your smartphone, and from there you can buy it. Uh, and, and if people buy it, do uh, do I understand like proceeds go to to charity? Is that, is that correct? Yeah, definitely. So like as as a VC, it's not it's, it's not our business model to make money out of this. So we thought let's um, let's just uh, think about the good cause, and we came up with. Um, an oncology center in the Netherlands that focuses on children that have that have uh, cancer, and they try to treat them and do a lot of research. So we we dedicate all proceeds to that. So it's not just you know our revenue or our profit; it's just all revenues. Yeah. So it's a, a, a amazing and a, a great cause there. So not only will listeners be able to learn from forty-seven uh, amazing experts that will help them with uh, scaling, uh, but all the money goes to a, a fantastic cause uh, as well. So. Um, that, that that's great stuff. Will you be writing another book, Arthur? Are you, you taking a break? Is that it? One and done? Oh, actually, I learned a lot from this book. Um, for instance, also I did this, this, this sort of bucket where you see the, the scaling challenges. And I have thought about, um, I would say I have now a generalizable framework, but I want to make things more, more, more concrete, more tangible and more practical. So, um, it's not to be uh, launched in the next two, three, or six months, but uh, but I'm planning to write another book um, on this topic. You've got the bug. You've got the bug, as they say. Exactly, exactly, definitely. Good, good, good stuff. And where can people find you online uh, specifically? So I'm on I'm on LinkedIn, um, Arthur Noble. Um, please reach out to me and try to respond to to, to any message that I get. And uh, in terms of email, it's Arthur at night.vc. Cool, good stuff. Uh, well, Arthur Noble, uh, thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast, creating such an awesome resource for the SaaS founders that are looking to grow and grow their business, and then doing uh, doing uh, uh, amazing things in terms of like uh, you know generating and, and uh, donating the the profits to this uh, fantastic charity. So uh, great stuff. Uh, uh, thanks so much for taking the time today uh, on the SaaS Revolution Show, uh, and look forward to. Uh, you know, reading the book uh, in full uh, as well. Uh, so thanks so much, Arthur. Thanks a lot, Alex. I really had uh, a blast here. It was great to talk to you. Thanks for giving me this opportunity and uh, also for contributing with your amazing insights in the book. Thanks. No, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Happy to help. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SAS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SASDOC conferences around the world.